expert. They've got every kind of monitor in the world to let you know that they're electronic and cars have this same problem too. <laughs> but it's fixed now. We should be able to rock and roll through two hours here with the Simmons Car Care Show. The way we do the show is uh, call in 719-1490 if you like. Uh, any opinions of your car or comments that you have about your cars is more than welcome. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on electric vehicles and got the shock of my life, but uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, this portion of the show is brought to you in part by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision, 744-4454. They're open today, believe it or not, this morning uh, through, uh, I think, about 1 o'clock. They're located at 4425 West Ina Road behind Jiffy Lube and the car wash. You can go to their website, nice website, and you can navigate right on through. Uh, in conjunction with the uh, Spectrum, I got to thinking about it because you've heard me talk about insurance on cars. Very little about insurance on cars because insurance, you know, it just depends on what you've got, what you drive, what your driving habits are, how bad your driving record is, to what your premium is going to be. Well, got some good news for you. Next week, I have got Emily, who's a business club partner of mine, and she is going to be on the show for the full two hours. She is a agent with State Farm, and she will, and she's also has a history in the automotive industry, working inside the automotive industry. So, I've talked to her, and I'll probably be talking to her again. I am looking so forward to this because you've heard me ask Javier at the Spectrum about the uh, insurance, the claims, and stuff, and the, what do you do, and yada yada yada. Well, next Saturday at 6 a.m., well, about 6.06 a.m. to be exact, we're going to have Emily C. I call her Emily C. because her last name is so long, I still haven't figured out how to break it all out yet. So I'm just calling her Emily C. And she will be on from State Farm, and we are going to have a world of questions, the stuff that you forgot to ask the agent, a Q&A, uh, anything that you want to know about auto uh, reporting, uh, what happens if you have a car stolen, uh, you know, uh, one of the biggest things that uh, she said in the uh, insurance is uh, it's a lack of communications. Uh, same thing we have in the automotive industry. In other words, you really don't read all of your warranty papers to find out what's covered on your car. That's the same thing on an insurance policy. And I've always said, and I learned it a long time ago, if you want to know what's covered, read the exclusions, whether it be on a warranty, whether it be on your auto insurance policy, but read the exclusions. Now, I understand that the state just increased the minimum. They doubled the minimum requirements for your insurance. Now, I haven't followed up on that yet, but uh, I understand it, it will take place not too long from now. So if somebody's got some more information on that, just give me a call down here at 719-1490, and we'll put it out on the airway. But uh, that'll that's actually good because what they have now as a minimum is so minimum, and the insurance company can write you a check 
for the maximum claim that you have, the maximum that you're covered for, and then they're out of it. Well, people, $300,000 doesn't really cover a whole lot of medical expense if you've been in a car wreck. If you've been in a hospital lately, my hand costs $42,000 when I crashed a hand and told you all about it down at the lakes when I fell out of the boat backwards. Um, my hand was $42,000 before the smoke cleared. So it's expensive. So 300000 and have a severe wreck or something, it's not going to cover much. And, you know, they've got all sorts of stuff, all sorts of insurance, uninsured motorists, and a lot of stuff that you can do to protect yourself and help yourself. But I am not going to get into that. I am not a licensed insurance agent. I am just going to wait till Emily gets in, and we'll ask her all of these questions. So next Saturday, be here at 6 a.m. You would not believe how sophisticated yet simple the well no it's not simple i don't you know I, she explained it to me and i've been around quite a while <laughs> and uh, still it's going to be an excellent show next saturday morning as well as today with your help i'm doing it solo and but i've been researching all week and we're going to get into some of the stuff that i run across um but first, I wanted to apologize for the first hour of last week, even though it was no one's fault. I've already verified that. So you can't be mad at somebody when it's no one's fault. Electronics? Oh, my gosh. Everybody that owns a cell phone knows what electronics is. So bear with me. Let's get this show on the road. All right. Been talking about electric cars. Been talking about electric cars. Done a bunch of research on electric cars. Thought they're pretty cool. They are a lot of a lot of horsepower, a lot of torque. Uh, you know, just just good thing. And then I run across this little article that says, uh, "For your information, electric cars. One out of five California electric car owners are going back to gas cars because they do not like charge." times of the electric car to run 35 miles. They don't like to spend two or three hours. And in defense of that, the electric industry has already figured out that there was a problem with these things as far as the short mileage that you can get in them and go. I've got a neighbor that gets uh, in his. He can't, he, he can't go to Phoenix and back. He has to grandmother's little hybrid Ford in order to get up there. But he's just got it all electric. He said, oh, it's really cheap. Well, yeah, it is, because you drive your grandma's car every time you crawl in it. I have a lot of fun with that one. Um, but 20% from 2012 and 2018, that period of time, 20% of the car owners went back to gas. Okay? So is it the cure-all? No. However, you have a stage one, which is a 110 plug-in, which most of the earlier cars were. Then you have a stage two, and then you have a stage three. Stage two is 220. Do you have 220 outlet that you can plug in at your house? That's for stage two, but your car's got to be set up for it too. Stage three is a 440. That's the one that charges up to 80% of the battery in, I think it's 15 minutes. It'll run it. It'll charge that fast. It's like these quick chargers that they have off the freeway going to Phoenix. So 
keep in mind there's more to electric car than just oh it's an electric car i can run this thing and save on gas okay uh people we when we pull into a drive-in restaurant <laughs> a drive-through and they say okay okay here it is that's supposed to be quick right and then they say can you pull over there and wait until we deliver it out to you we'll bring it right out and then they move another car in behind you and they sit there and then they move Oh, must have the same problem. They moved them right in behind me. So we don't have the patience, and I think patience is a big player on this. Uh, and just for the record, I think the federal government's planning on putting, I've heard 500,000, I've heard of 600,000 stations. Now, which one of those is true? I don't know, but they're going to put in 600 stations, <clears throat> which is probably 25 more times the uh, amount of gas stations. However, gas stations, you just pull in, fill it up, in about five minutes, you're gone. You don't do that with the electric. It takes just a little bit longer, even with the three-stage. So you, you, everything has to adjust. I remember when I bought a diesel. You couldn't find diesel. You had to go to the truck stops to get diesel fuel. That was how little diesel fuel. You spent most of your time trying to find diesel fuel on a diesel so you never let it get down below a quarter of a tank if you did you may burn a quarter of a tank before you get back where you can buy diesel if you're not on the freeway and you're not access to the big truck stops so yeah it's just a learning process and they're across country now one of the problems is uh trying to get the automotive to come on board with these uh infrastructures so that they can get the uh, the electric cars out to market but I also understand that there's a problem of getting new car components for regular cars. So if you take that in and add it to the problem with the electric cars, then, yeah, it probably takes you a while. I know if you want a new Ford, I understand you need to order one 12 months in advance, like this F-150 truck. Now, if somebody out there listening to me is with Click or Homestuttle or something like that like, would like to shed a little light on that. I'd appreciate it if you want to tell the community what's going on with this. <clears throat> because right now it. Oh, okay. All right. Who we got? Who we got on the line? Uh, we got Jim on line one. All right. Jim, good morning. Welcome to the show. Very good morning. How are you doing at Soda today? I'm doing fine. Why don't you just stay on here and do it with me? <laughs> I'll do my best. So do I um, okay. Uh, so I I got a chance to speak with uh, Tucson Electric Power about their their solar char the electric vehicle charging platform. Oh, good. So I, I had a conversation with them, and they uh, actually agreed to come on the show. I needed to sit down and get with you and put some things together. But this is they're they're very they're very interested in in solar in electric vehicle charging as it relates to the infrastructure for their power grid. Mm -hmm. So the so so they they have so they have very high level meetings to the people at Tucson Electric Power trying to determine how is the best time to charge your electric vehicle. So as you were speaking previously about the about the chargers, you know, there's the certain types of chargers. These are just very basic elementary chargers and as you as you said with the diesel vehicles, 
you know, it's a it's a learning process. We we don't understand how how to how to make it all work just yet because it's new, and we used to have to go find diesel at, at the truck stop, and now you can get it at pretty at a lot of places. So they've have envisioned chargers that will communicate with your car. So <laughs> not only we so your so the cars are going to come out now with 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 um, they're going to sync with the grid. So the cars are going to talk to the grid, and the grid's going to talk to the cars. Oh, that was so, an interesting conversation. Uh, oh, right. That's what I said. It was. It was a very. I was. I was. This this person I talked to was incredibly knowledgeable, and it was. It was very. I. We want to get her on the show because wow. for thirty minutes you'll mm-hmm. you'll have your mouth open. But the long and the wow. short of it is this. So the car. So. Tucson Electric Power or the average power company in general is going to look at the electric car and they're going to determine the state of charge. And they're going to say, okay, um, yep, you have a, you need to be charged and you need this much charge. For example, you need 40% of a charge. So we're going to schedule your charge to occur at 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. because you've already told us you work between 8 and 5. Now, on the other hand, if you work 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., we're going to schedule it to work in some other part of the day. But we're going to, but we're going to try and figure out exactly how to manage that, and then we're going to try and figure out how to keep those all those charging off-seat grid time. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I was like, so there's going to be a very high level of communication between cars and the electric company so that so that they know exactly where you are at any given point in time. So when you roll into a charging station and plug in, they're going to they're going to see your car and they're going to know what the last time you was that you charged and when the and what your future charge is going to be. They're going to know how much you've driven, they're going to know how how what they're going to know how much you've driven based on the amount of charge that you're going to need. And then they're going to they're going to start mm-hmm. anticipating your your future charging needs based on your usage. Are they going to send you a notification or something on your info system in your car and say, "Okay, Jerry, uh, you, you need to go in now"? Is that what you know? I honestly believe that would be coming. They didn't say that, you know. They don't. They don't really show their full hand. You know, they're like poker players. They'll 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 sure. cue you in on certain things, but they don't uh, they don't tell you the whole game plan. Um, but it was it was interesting because they. Because they they understand the draw that that's going to be on the on the electric the electric system the electric you know the entire electric grid out there they they understand the 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 futuristic draw that's going to occur so they want what they want to do is they want to they want to be able to negotiate that and 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 manage it in a in a way that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and that we makes and we sense. did. That makes sense. And so we, what we did is we did talk about the, the infrastructure for your home. And, and, you know, she, the person I talked to said, well, it's very easy if you have, you know, certain type of power. You can just go get basically a dryer plug and plug it in. And then the, you know, the charger plugs into the dryer plug and go to town. But if you don't, that if you don't, if you live in an older home and this person that I talked to who lived in a home built in 1920, and she told me, she said, I would have to have a complete electric upgrade to my home and my residence before I before I put put them on. Oh wait, let's get to apartment complexes and duplexes and multifamily residences. They haven't even addressed oh, that yet. Yeah. Because 
I, I own an electric car, but I live in New York City, and they we don't have single-family homes. We have 43-story apartment complexes. Oh. I live in Tucson, Well, that Arizona. must be what to... Go ahead. Well, I live in Tucson, Arizona, and I live in an apartment complex, and, and we drive car, more cars than they do in New York City. And there's, you know, how, how are we going to put all these chargers, you know, in the, par- in the parking lot? And what if somebody parks in my designated spot and, they, and I can't get to my charger? And the, the, the dynamics are, are, haven't even been scratched yet. Oh, my goodness gracious. What did they say they're going to use to power up the electric grid? Are they still using coal or are they using natural gas? What are they, what are they going to power up the electric grid with? So, so for these 600,000. 600,000 or million. So, so Tucson Electric Power um, is currently is, is no longer uses coal. They use natural gas. Uh, but what, okay. but they're switching from natural gas. They're going to s- solar and, and wind. And actually, what so you're gonna you're gonna laugh a little bit. So what? So their their current their current generating philosophy is they use um, turbines, steam turbines to run generators. Well, steam turbines take a lot of maintenance and they take a long time to power up. They take like three or four days to get powered up, and they take three or four days to power down. So they actually what mm-hmm. they're putting in is ma- ginormous diesel engines. I mean ginormous. I'm, Huge, they're, they're massive, and if, and what their concept is, they're going to be able to use renewable energy generation during the day, but at peak times they're going to turn on their diesel diesel generators and run run the generators, and then as peak peak loads decrease, they can turn their generators off. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. Well, it's an evolving it's like, yeah, process. Uh, oh my lord oh my lord so uh, now on the uh all right you've got three stages you got uh, the 110 the 220 and the 440 uh are these electric vehicles coming out? i know tesla has a 440 quick charge uh, stage three uh have you heard anything about uh, uh what uh, most of the electric cars from my understanding of research right now the ones that are coming out have stage one and stage two. You can put a 110 in it, or you can put a 220 in the car. And so that, you know, would plant. But it's, it reminds me of the guy that has a diesel that run it down to a quarter of a tank and said, okay, I better start finding a diesel station. I think that's going to be the same plan that you're going to need if you plan on using an electric vehicle as your primary vehicle. You need to you need to be prepared. You need to watch your gauges a little closer, which is something very few people do. And uh, but you will if you run out and park on the side of the road and have to call. Oh, by the way, this is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. People, uh, he's the one that co-hosts for Brian while Brian was out, and he's he's a buddy of mine, and he's also going to stay with me right now. Are you sitting on your butt at home drinking coffee? No, I'm on my way to work. What are you doing that for? 
Well, because it's snowing and it never stopped. <laughs> I'm actually driving my yeah. way to work right now, so I heard you, and I and I realized you were by yourself, and and you were on the electric cars, and we had covered electric cars for for weeks, oh, and yeah. I and I wanted to, I wanted to chime in with what I knew. Well, I'm happy to stay on. So okay, good. Uh, are you? Uh... Uh, are you still working on TEPs? Get us somebody on here that can explain the grids and stuff for us. Oh, absolutely. What what I told them is um, because I like you, I I get busy. Um, I wanted to sit down and I wanted to sit down with you, and we'll put together a, a show program. So and so that we sure. and we cover all the and we cover all the bases. So we get really good information in a in a nice concise format. Mhm. I'd love it. I'd love it. Well, you just give me a yell, and we'll get together and see if we can put this thing together. As long as we can't have them next week, because i got Emily coming on from State Farm to answer all the questions about automotive insurance. After interviewing Emily or talking with Emily for about uh, 45 minutes on the phone this past week, there is a lot of – I thought I was knew a little bit about insurance. I do, a little bit. And that's where it ended. And some of the questions that are never asked, and that's one of the things we're going to get it get into, uh, the type of coverage, what kind of coverage you need, blah, 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 blah. So we're going to have all the questions answered next week, or we're going to give it a shot. Let's put it that way. So, oh, that's, yeah. that's great. That's yeah. great. Oh, and speaking of uh, towing, did you know that uh, there's 25,000 25, car wrecks a day in the U.S.? Yes, I thought it was. I thought it was only twenty-two or twenty, but uh, I didn't realize it was up to twenty-five. Well, they said twenty-five is the article I was reading. I thought, wow, I never, I never really thought of it. It's like one every thirty seconds. So you're going to be busy for a lifetime. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is the industry that is they call recession-proof. It just, unfortunately, I mean, I, I, I hate it when people get in wrecks. It's, it's a. It's, it's never a good situation. I mean, you know, and there's the, you know, but wrecks. I guess the probably their definition of of wrecks are vehicles that need to be towed, because there's only that's the only way you can quantify it. Um, so if you have a small collision, you know, a fender bender where the bumper scrapes, and you and you both people are fine, and you exchange information and you drive away. Another great question for the insurance industry, since that you know there's no police don't show up for car wrecks anymore. Hi, you know whose fault is it? Wow, we don't know. Just here, exchange information and go all of life. How do insurance people uh, handle that situation? That's a great question for yeah. Emily. Well, I was doing a bunch of research on on stuff that is involved. You know, what happens when you get a uh, get into auto wreck? Uh, what kind of damage does it do the vehicles? You know, because I get bored and I just start researching, and I just go and go and go and go and go. And I run across uh, where it got into front-end alignments. And uh, when do you need to get a front-end alignment? Oh, my gosh. And uh, so that I can cover also today. And uh, balanced tires, what causes a tire to go out of balance? That we can cover today. And you can cover the big stuff, and I'll cover the little stuff, or you can help me cover the little stuff, and we'll help you cover the big stuff. And by the way, Emily's a Mopar fanatic. I told her about your little car. And um, oh, I love her already. I, well, let me but, can I get married her because I love her already. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a Mopar. She asked me, do you like Mopars? I said, no, I just drive my 218 Dodge diesel. <laughs> I've had the 440s. I've had the big three-quarter tons with the one-ton suspension and all of that stuff. So, yeah. But she's she's also worked in the automotive industry about 15 years prior to changing over to this. And so she is a bucket full of information in the automotive and the insurance. So it's going to be one humdinger of a interesting little conversation with this young lady. And I am really looking forward to it. However, speaking of uh, electric cars, I, I, you, did you catch it where I said that 20% of the cars were uh, people are going back to gas motors in I California I from 2000, 2012, 2018. So, you know, and I, I, I I still think it's kind of like diesels, but I've seen guys that had diesels that went to gas burning because I'm not paying no $4 a gallon to diesel, and they'll go from a diesel and go back to a gas burner. I knew a guy that bought a, a gas burner. He paid $58,000 for a gas burner truck, and one year later, he went and traded it in and got him another diesel. He said, I don't care what the fuel costs. I'm going, wow. So you just, I mean, it's a different different power range, different torque curve. And, you know, once you have a diesel, it's kind of like once you have a pickup and then you sell it and you get a little car because it doesn't use as much gas. And all of a sudden you realize what you use that pickup for. And then you wind up having to buy you a clunker or something like that, put a lot of money in it to make it do what the other one was doing fine before you decide to trade it. <laughs> but... <clears throat> What do you know about the price of used vehicles going up, and why? The price of used—there's well, no vehicles available. There, there are no. Have you looked at a car lot? There isn't a new car out there. I mean, dealers. I talked to the, the guys at O'Reilly Chevrolet. They had take. They have. I forget. I think it's like fifteen hundred pre-orders on trucks, and they did it in like the 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 month of April. Was it fifteen hundred or something? There was some some huge number that all pre-orders. They can't they can't get a vehicle to save their life. Like you said, something about the chips. I'm I'm not sure what the chip issue is. I, you know, somebody's not there's some critical component that they can't manufacture the chip, or somebody's not making the chips for the computers that go in every car. And it's not just light cars. There's no there's no um. There's no semi trucks available either. There's no semi trucks or medium duty trucks. You can't get one of those either. They're they're out. They like you said. They they're not going to come back online till till September. Wow, wow. So well, apparently I don't... the apparently the chip manufacturing was was reduced during COVID and when nobody was at work. Now that now all the all the stock is gone. But it's mm-hmm. chip manufacturing. They, you know, not I, I say they, the globally they, us, U.S., China, Thailand, Everybody. India. Yeah. They all make chips. Mm-hmm. So, not sure where the hang-up is, but if somebody can explain that one to me, I'd love to hear that story. Well, I so would I. So would I. And you can you can Google it, and you can check all this stuff, and you get so much information on it. And then you have to sit down and say, okay, what makes sense? Uh, be honest with you, I haven't found the answer to that one yet. 
I mean, if you're still selling cars. But then I read where you have an influx of cars. Uh, one of the things that I found out where your rental cars normally trade, what, every year or something like that. They turn in cars and then they buy new ones and stuff. They can't even get to cars, so they're hanging on to their fleets now because they can't replace them because they can't get the cars to replace them with. So that's an interesting twist. I also understand that if you go to a rental car, rental car place, like I'm getting ready to go to Carolina sometime this year, and um, they say that the rental cars are up to a hundred bucks a day for just a little medium-sized rental car. I'm going, holy oh. crap. You, talk, you take that over, four, 14, over 14 days, and you've got $1,400 in just car rental. That's more than a plane ticket. That's more than a plane ticket. We, we told for rental car companies and, and vehicles that they would normally not repair because it, just, it wasn't worth it. Um, they are getting repaired. So exactly what you said. The rent normal, the the normal rent time of you know they have rental car companies are very have a lot of data and they're very good at managing their fleet. They know exactly how much depreciation occurs. They know exactly how many miles. So they get or they used to get really good deals on cars because they buy massive amounts. And then so then they could resell their vehicles and and get out you know in in a in a in a real positive manner. That those numbers are gone now because they just they you're, like you said they cannot get replacement stock. So they're having to run their fleet longer, and and where and where they have these tremendous warranty um, agreements with OEMs, their the the agreements are now um, expiring. So they don't they're not no longer warranting the stuff because well the the agreements you know they timed out they went over thirty six thousand miles or something. And they're they're really feeling the uh, the pinch of of the of the lack of new vehicles availability. Well, so that means that me and you and the other rentals are going to be feeling the pinch too, huh? You and me are going to feel that. And then and like you said, the used car market, cars that you know, car I see cars for sale in all kinds of places, and numbers that 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 you think that you could not not normally even come close to getting are people are. Prices are just are just crazy because they don't because there's no because there's no available stock out there to buy. Right, right. And so the price is up on them. So supply and demand, you know, it's kind of like gas. You know, I, I was kind of uh, glad to see the diesel under the price of unleaded gasoline on the regular gasoline by about uh, eight cents, nine cents a gallon, something like that. But, you know, I've been watching that because I know what's going on across the country with the gas and the gas pipes and the gas lines closed and all that stuff. And uh, I figure, okay, well, it's 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 going to come. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And so I'm going, crap. And now I have this big diesel that only gets about 20 miles per gallon in town. So what am I going to do? Drive my Honda. It gets 28, 27 miles per gallon around town. But it's all just, uh, you know, it's part of life. It's just part of life. You know, if you got to have them, you got to have them. Um, you know, that's the a, other thing that's that uh, – oh. Go ahead. Yeah, the, you bring up an interesting observation about diesel being the same price or lower than unleaded gasoline. Normally, diesel is 50 cents to a dollar higher. Why? 
why is why is it why is it fifty cents to a dollar higher? But today, it's identical or or less in price. So why was it was it a manufactured increase? You know, a few years ago, where diesel was was just the was at the point where we could charge more because there were more commercial customers. Why, why, what what what's keeping it down? That's what I don't understand. The, the volume is still there. And, but what's keeping the price down? In two thousand and three, give you a little history on the diesel fuel increase. Uh, I had a first cousin who was a lawyer for one of the big oil companies back in Colorado, and uh, he come out to visit. And I asked him, I said, "Why is diesel fuel?" which is one step above reach out in a, a parking lot where it's just rained in a paved parking lot and scoop it out and pour it in the truck. And he said, uh, oh, oh. And he looked at me and he says, because we can. In 2003, there were so many diesel pickups purchased. We created the demand for diesel fuel. We, the purchasers, the guys that bought the diesel trucks, and all of a sudden they said, hey, here's another revenue stream. The markup in the gasoline was so low, taxes so high, and they just – this is a, another cash cow. And <laughs> for lack of, you know, supply and demand. They found it. Supply and demand. created the supply, and we will go ahead and take care of it. And that's exactly what they did. So I'm going, Okay. But that, and then, all right, uh, Jim, let's take a caller. Okay, who we got on the line? Uh, you guys got Bill on line one. Bill on line one. All right, Bill, good morning. Welcome to ESPN, Simmons Car Care Show. Good morning. I, I have a couple of comments about uh, what you were saying of the 440-volt charging. Uh, voltage is the pressure uh, of which electricity is available. So just like PSI, pounds per square inch on your water line, uh, the amount of voltage increases the pressure that's available uh, for charging a battery. So you're correct, the higher the voltage, the faster a battery should charge. But there's also an issue with the load uh, accepting a lot of pressure quickly. Uh, just like if you were trying to put uh, PSI into a tire, uh, you have a tire that, let's say, takes 30 PSI, and I've got 300 PSI available. I should be able to shoot that tire quickly, but there's some physics involved. Anyhow, uh, the cell phone industry has been trying to come up with an 8- or 10-minute cell phone charger where you use 50 volts, which is 10 times the volts that your cell phone charges today. When you plug your cell phone in today, you're plugging it into a little 5-volt wall charger. And it takes anywhere from 1 to 3 hours to charge your phone at 5 volts. Well, then 50 volts should charge your phone in 10 minutes. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because the battery just can't accept that pressure that quickly. So there's there's a spot where no matter what the voltage is, you're not going to get that amount of power into the load quickly. Now, I'm talking today, 2021. 
Is is there a way to get around those physics? There might be. There might be chemical differences in batteries in the future. But for today, even if you went to 880 volts, there's going to be some area where the load just can't accept that much pressure that quickly. It would explode. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that that's one of the items that is limiting fast charge because, trust me, the cell phone industry would love to sell you uh, a charger that would charge your phone in eight or ten minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes total sense. I think that uh, I know that Tesla actually has the 440 system on there, stage three on their Tesla, on that high-dollar one. And I know there's all sorts of regulators and stuff like that. It's just like uh, turning water turning water on. Uh, you, you've got a valve that you turn the water on, it'll give you different uh, water volume coming out. Even though you have 60 pounds at the pump, you can, you can adjust it down to where it only blows out, you know, like 10 pounds or something like that. The difference. Put you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You're, you're adjusting down. But as you're adjusting right. down, you're losing efficiencies. And what you gained having all that pressure available you're not mm-hmm. really getting the full benefit. Now, if, if we Americans really, really, really want to be environmentally conscious, we all should be driving hybrids because uh, that takes mm-hmm. care of all of the inefficiencies in charging your electric vehicle. Uh, two examples. One, you get regenerative uh, power every time you brake. And two, uh, you're using an, uh, a gasoline motor at its most efficient point solely to keep the power um, in your battery. Uh, locomotives are, are hybrids. Most of your mining vehicles and heavy trucks are hybrids, and they truly are. Efficient, and if we really, really wanted to be green, we would say, "Look, let's put the electric car on the back burner for twenty years, and let's just focus on hybrids." But you know, the politics involved now has convinced people that it has to be electric or nothing, and and I think that's a, mm-hmm. another big problem that we can talk about another day. <laughs> but anyhow, yes, I like your show. I, I wanted to comment on the uh, high-voltage charging. And, and, and if you do see a cell phone charger that says we can charge your phone in eight minutes, then you're going to see the vehicles that can charge in 10 minutes right around the corner. I think you're right there. The problem I see with putting too much juice into a battery charger is just like anything else. Uh, you can you can charge it, but a battery, an automotive battery, the best charge you can do in an automotive battery, battery is a 24-hour. Cut it down to about three, three and a half, and charge that thing for 24 hours on a slow charge because you can charge it, and what you'll do is it'll it'll charge up, but it's a false charge, and it'll go down overnight if you charge it too quick. And also, it heats up the battery if you charge it with a full full blow, like in the start mode. It actually heats well, that, up the plate and stuff in the battery, and then that creates another little potential problem. So, well, that, and that's, that's what, what I, I said. 440. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that's that's just what I said, and you said exactly what I said. Again, the load has to take that pressure. Uh, uh, for a car battery, which is 13 volts or 12.8 or whatever, a fast charger runs at 18 or 20 volts, and it does cook mm-hmm. that battery, whereas the slow charger you're talking about runs around 16, 15 or 16. Uh, same thing, uh, you know, again, I'm going to go back to the cell phone. If we had a 50-volt charger that could charge your cell phone in eight minutes, uh, they would be sold out everywhere. So uh, right. there's still some there's still some physics that <laughs> that we have to get around on the load accepting all that voltage pressure. Well, I think uh, you had a good analogy there. You take a cell phone, and then you take an electric vehicle. When we first got our cell phones, you could plug them in and they charge and charge and charge and charge, and then it last about an hour, and then it's down. And now uh, you can run them for a couple of days, depending on the usage. It's just like Jim alluded one time to a a, a battery charge drill. You know, the you run a drill. If you turn it on high, it depletes the battery quicker. And the same thing. If you, you have a cell phone and you use it all the time, it naturally it's going to use more battery. If you have an electric car and you drive more wide open on the freeways. It takes energy to move that vehicle. I don't care what kind of vehicle it is, whether it's gasoline or whether it's electric. If you mash it to down, down to around 80 miles an hour versus 55 or 60, it's going to take more energy to move that unit. So it, I think it's a learning process, kind of like the process that we have when we um, – it's kind of interesting because, you know, when we first got our flip – or the old hard-charged analog – GE or whatever it was, the old white brick that we had for cell phone. That sounded oh, was almost bulletproof. <laughs> and now it's you know it, it, it's so outdated. You know, you, if you have one, hang on to it. It's a good make a good ornament or something like that. But um, as far as the uh, technology, technology is happening every day, every day. And you can take the technology, like with the automotive industry, there's a recall on somebody's vehicle that they just purchased almost daily now. I started checking that stuff out, and I I got bored with it. I mean, if you own a vehicle, it's a later model, yeah, you probably want to just uh, take your VIN number, go into National Highway Transportation Authority or safecar.gov, and put the VIN number in and see if you got a recall on your car. That's how many recalls are coming out almost daily. One article said it is daily. So, you know, and with the same with the cell phone, but the 440, that's an excellent point you made on that. And how many people at their houses have charging stations, 440 charging stations at their house or their business? So that infrastructure has got to be built. It's got to be something else. But uh, I agree with you on the hybrids. I was waiting for a little four-banger diesel or two-cylinder diesel or three-cylinder diesel to come out with a hybrid. Instead, Ford come out with that three-point Echo Boost. It's got already 400 horsepower and 400 foot-pounds of torque. And then they put it in a, what is it, a Mustang? Put it, or, no, the Ford truck, the Ford pickup. And so now it's got a hybrid in addition to the that one and their miles per gallon is only like the difference is two miles per gallon over the, over yeah, the engine yeah, itself. Yeah, I I I see what you're saying there. Uh 
You know, I, I could probably fill up the rest of your next show talking about why hybrids are better, uh, although I don't own one. Uh, but uh, you've got longevity. Uh, you know, I, I could see hybrids easily going 300,000 miles without uh, big repairs. Again, you, you look at the locomotives, the, the, the diesel locomotives, they're all hybrids. Oh, yeah. You, you look at the mining industry, the trucks that haul 900 tons per load, and they're as big as an office building, they're hybrids. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Steam shovels now that are, are used in construction are becoming hybrids. They, mm-hmm. They're bulletproof. They're green. They're serviceable. It's the technology we should be focused on today. What I don't like is the politics is the sky will be bluer if everybody gets an electric car. And it's just simply not true. Not in 2021. And people need to realize that. I think they're being sold uh, a bill of goods here. Whereas if, if we all bought hybrids and if General Motors, rather than General Motors saying, look, by 2030, everything's electric. If General Motors said, look, by 2030, everything's a hybrid, I think we'd all be better off uh, when so it comes to we can being green. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you on that one bit. Uh, I I enjoy changes. Uh, changes is what keeps the automotive industry going. What? <laughs> Technicians, independent garages, even the dealerships, the technicians that work in their dealerships said, oh, my God, what's coming now? What's coming now? Well, it's going to continue to come because that's just where we're at. Um, but as far as the windmills and all of that, people say, well, you've got these big windmills, that electric windmill. Yeah, you can't even get rid of the used parts on a windmill. There's no way to, to recycle them. Uh, you know, you can drive through Texas and you can see these big fields that have lined these storage areas where they've got all these broken parts and stuff just laying there because there's no place to put them. And so, you know, everything has a downfall. Everything has an up. So now we'll just have to see what this thing's going to turn into. But uh, I enjoy the hybrids. I trust them a little more. I've got uh, buddies that own the 2020 hybrids uh, that love them to death. And the only thing is there's a mis- misunderstanding about it. That little combustion engine is a combustion engine. You still have to service it. It still has to be taken care of. They don't run the mileage that would be if they were going it solo. However, you still got to pay attention to them. I've got another friend that's had, she's on her sixth, I think, sixth generation of Toyota Prius. She takes that vehicle in at 500 miles and has the oil service in the little gasoline motor and everything. She hasn't had a bit of problem. And she's on the sixth generation, has never had to replace the batteries in that Prius. And six generations of Prius. And, but she said the key is, she said, I take it in just like I was driving a regular vehicle. Take it in, have the little oil changed and have it, the little gas motor checked out, make sure everything's running good because that's what actually propels this thing. And yet when you hit the brakes, you do regenerate the charging and the batteries. So, you know, I, I just think that's a wonderful way to go. But, uh, who am I? Um, well, I, I agree, that, and it's a great show, Jerry. Keep uh, keep talking about the subject, and I'll keep listening. Oh, we'll just we've got a whole bunch of stuff that I have to cover that uh, has to do with 
hybrids if you want to take it, like clean air cabin filters. Uh, I'm sure they've got one. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I can get to, you know, uh, that just because you buy a hybrid, you're still going to need to do certain things to the vehicle itself while it's rolling down the road. So that'll be right. and Jim Jim on the uh on the other line, he has he's been right with me on these hybrids for about the last month. Uh, our electric vehicles and the do's, the don'ts and what you can find. And uh so I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Your call actually shed a bunch of light and it clears up the, the charging systems and the why. Why can't I just charge, you know, one ten as fast as I can a four forty? That answered that question. I really appreciate the call. Bill, thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. This is Mother's Day weekend for all of you people out there. It's Mother's Day, and if you have a mom, it's already passed on. There's nothing wrong with taking a bouquet of flowers to uh, the internment. And, uh, you know, but one thing about mothers, you don't really lose them. You know, so... When you have Mother's Day, you know, I see people, they get, they just, they feel so bad. And I say, why? Is this the only time of the year you actually think about your mother? Not me. Not me. And mine's been gone for, oh my gosh, 20, uh, 11 years, 12 years. But yeah, they stay with you, you know. So don't, don't get too doom and gloomy on Mother's Day. It's supposed to be a happy Mother's Day. And, and if they were sick when they passed on, they're in a better place anyway. But Mother's Day is tomorrow. For all you guys that want to wait till midnight tonight and go to a drugstore and get some flowers or a box of candy or something like that because they're the only ones open, uh, you're better off to do that than you are to ignore Mother's Day. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. But um, just make sure that you take care of Mother's Day. And I wish all of you a very happy Mother's Day. And uh, especially Brian, Brian's going to have a problem tomorrow because he lost his mom and dad within 30 days, as you already know, and it's going to be rough on him, and I know it is. So, you know, happy Mother's Day. Just just have a happy Mother's Day. All right, Jimbo. Uh, just Are you that, still with me? There, Jared. I'm still with you. Side note there, when you're, when you're out there running around looking for flowers, Home Depot is now carrying Mother's Day flowers, just so you know. When you're getting that home Depot, you can. Home Depot has a selection of flowers. Are they open at midnight? They're open until 10, I think, so that's pretty close. Okay, that'll get you back. But I'm just trying for everybody out there listening to the show. Don't forget Mother's Day. I mean, you don't forget. think it's a big deal. Yeah, just don't forget it, and you won't have to worry about it. You forget it, and somebody's going to be reminding you for the next 25 years that you missed one Mother's Day back in 2021. You missed Mother's Day. So you do not want that, especially because it'll come out when you're at a family gathering. Trust me. Oh, they, they, it's it's the haunt that never goes away. You're correct, and then and they just see it's you know you think it's just lying under the surface there. It's all it's all good, but boom, it just pops up, and you're like, great, thanks a lot. All right, a while ago I was talking to when I was talking to Bill, I said there's a few other little things that you need to keep in mind on electric vehicles, especially the hybrid vehicles. 
uh, like the cabin air filter. Uh, they recommend you change the cabin air filter once a year. I said, yeah, really? Okay, that's a recommendation. I recommend you change it six months or 12 months. The reason I say six-month intervals is because in Tucson, how many of you have been around this past week working outside? I've never seen so much dirt and dust flying in my life. My Dodge had to be changed out in eight months because it plugged almost up solid before. And I was thinking, ah, it should go a year. No, because I don't drive it as much as I did. But, yes, it was filthy. So get your air filters, uh, your cabin air filters changed. And before it makes you change it because you lose an AC compressor or low volume. And the temperature is coming up out there in case you haven't noticed it. And uh, you're going to be using that air conditioning and that cabin air filter is going to be working overtime again. And you really want to keep it serviced. Uh, the other thing is AC service. AC service. Once a year, they recommend checking the Freon and do a, an annual check on your AC air conditioning service for your car because it can lose about 10% of Freon annually. Now, this is this come across in a tech note, and I'm going, okay, it's a sealed unit. It's not supposed to leak. Well, big deal. you got a car, and it's not supposed to leak either, and it does, and it's because of the environment that we actually live in. It's because of the heat and contraction based on expansion. Uh, High-pressure uh, compressors that sit there and idle on full full air, full cold, instead of turning it down a little bit, giving it a break during the tra heavy traffic. Uh, so, yes, get the air conditioning service once a year, at least once a year, because your Freon can be down. Now, in the older air conditioning units, like on Jim's Dodge that he would refuse us to fix that he had since high school, they have a different compressor than we have now. They had the, a compressor. He probably has the one that still had the oil inside the compressor. And then it fed it automatically. Uh, that's not true anymore. The oil goes directly into your propellant, which is, we call it Freon. This Freon's been around forever, and everybody calls it Freon, but it's a propellant that goes inside. But it also has a certain amount of lubricant added to the propellant. If you leak out uh, uh, 10%, in a year, you take a chance on losing some of your lube in there also. So you want to have it, you know, if you uh, evacuate your system, you measure it when it comes out, you measure the amount of fluid that the lubricant actually put back in that unit to the car's specification on the particular unit that you're working on, and you use the correct oil inside that filter of uh, the compressor. And then you keep it circulated. So if you lose the Freon and you have a leak and you lose the Freon, you say, oh, it's no big deal. Well, wait a minute. You're losing the lube that's designed to float around in that system and keep everything from rusting up and clogging up so that when you do need it, it'll work. If you run it with the fluid out and said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll worry about it next summer. Well, you get ready to charge the system up next summer, and then all of a sudden you've got this hidden rust, surface rust, and 
garbage that's been laying in the lines inside this system that hasn't been used. And so when you get ready to use it, yeah, you probably charge it up. It may last. It may even last a month. And But you're starting to move stuff that hasn't been moving, and now you've got a little issue. So if you have an air conditioning, it is summertime. It's summertime, you want to have this thing serviced and get, make sure that you've got it correct, correct, correct. Get it up, get it right. Uh, we well, only got a that's an interesting concept, Jerry. You, so what you're telling me is that if, if I go to, down to Checker, and I'm not knocking Checker, and I get that little, that little can with the hose on it with the little green gauge on it, and, I, and I, it says quick fill, I only put in propellant or Freon into my system, but there's, there's probably no lubricant in that, in that setup, correct? Right. Uh, when you when you go get it, you do it yourself. Uh, you 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 need to know what you're doing. One, these systems are they're they're not. They only take a few ounces now. They don't take a, a whole can and all this stuff that people try to put in it. If you overcharge it, you're not going to get the cooling that you're expecting. If you undercharge it, you're not going to get the coolant you're, you're, that you're expecting in it. And also, you don't have a clue how much you're putting in there. You don't know what's in there. You don't know how much you need to add. You just know it's not blowing cold, and so I'm going to add a can of Freon. When you take that into show, and I'm going to tell you one other thing. Do not put AC sealant inside of your system. You can write this down because, one, if it works, hooray for you. It's going to be permanent. And then you'll be going. But anyway, I'm out of time at this, this hour. Jimbo, hang on with me, buddy. We're going to take a break. And I'm here. Hour and we'll be right back with Jerry and Jim from Frontier Towing. Jim's from Frontier. <laughs> Jerry's from Seminole. We'll be right back. <laughs> 